Hello and welcome back to Project 99. It is August 27th, 2020, and we are still here. We are still here. Suffering the madness. Yes. I haven't ripped my hair out or scratched anyone's eyeballs out, so yeah, we're good. I think I'm gonna have to put myself on a hiatus on my social media because if not, I'm I'm probably gonna get killed by some white supremacist <laughs> soon. Or gouge your eyes out. Yeah, or or rip my own hair out because I live in West Virginia and everyone here is racist. There are some good things about West Virginia. No, not everyone here is awful, really. Two they- days ago was the anniversary of the Battle of Blair Mountain. Oh yeah, okay. So that's like a happy yeah. We're not all bad. There are some good things here. I mean, we did have the Underground Railroad too, and that's pretty sick. Mm-hmm. Especially in our area, there's a lot of relics of that. Um, yeah, West Virginia's not all bad. It's lost its way, um, but not everyone here is terrible. So we're we're always proud to say that West Virginia was like the one of the original hotbeds of socialism. Yeah, in the United States. I don't know how we ended up here. I got a book. I can't remember the name of it, but I got a book one time. Um, by a professor who documented basically all of the progressive and socialist newspapers that were in West Virginia. And there were like a ton of them, like really popular, bought by lots of subscribers, socialist and, you know, left-wing newspapers. And it's just gone downhill. (laughs) I did an article on op-ed about uh, about that, about the socialist roots of West Virginia. So if you guys ever want to hop over to op-ed news and check that out, it's on there. So I wanted to touch a little bit about the Elijah McLean story, which we talked about on here before, but I accidentally accidentally mispronounced his name as McCain. I don't know why I did that. You think I would have remembered McLean because, you know, like John McLean from Actually, Die Hard. Actually, it's... Oh, okay. But we talked about this last time. Yeah, we talked about this last time. Because I didn't know the Die Hard guy, but I'm like, no, you're thinking of John McCain president. That's no, why I keep saying McCain. But. No, yeah, no, not the guy who ran for president. I'm actually thinking of John McLean like from Die Hard. But yes, it was Elijah McLean. And just as an update, um, two of the three officers involved in the murder of Elijah McLean are still police officers. Um, and the one was only fired over that photo incident where he went back to the site where they killed him and took pictures with two other officers who were not involved um, doing a chokehold Mm-hmm. And then sending it to one of the officers who was involved, who responded to that message with "ha ha." Um, so that guy who was involved in the murder and in the photos um, is no longer a police officer. But none of them have been charged or or have been incarcerated, um, and two of them still have their jobs. So just an update on that story. I think um, you know there's hundreds and hundreds we could talk about, but I I, I don't know why that one hits me the hardest. I guess because he's like, he just all the videos I've seen of him, mm-hmm. he was like really like strange and out there. And I'm yeah. that way too. And I just, I don't know. I kind of, when I heard his story, I, d- I just felt like a really personal connection to that one, I guess. So right. maybe, I mean, who doesn't? He played violence for kittens at the shelter. You know what I mean? Like, how do you not think about that all the time? But I was actually thinking, the reason I started looking up about it again and checking in on it um, was because I just recently took a trip to the zoo and something there reminded me of that case. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. So just wanted to give an update on that. And sadly, since even since our last podcast, we have yet another shooting that's happened and more rioting. So there's that. Yes, Jacob Blake was shot in the back seven times by uh, Wisconsin police. What was the name of the city? I don't remember how to say Kenosha. it. Kenosha. Kenosha. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he was walking to his car and clearly they were not trying to stop him. <laughs> 
very hard until they grabbed him by the back of his shirt and proceeded to shoot him seven times in the back. Um, you know, claiming maybe he had a weapon in the car or something, but, um, pretty contrast to, you know, the following days when the protest happened and this 17 year old terrorist who brought a gun that he wasn't allowed to illegally, or he wasn't allowed to legally carry, um, openly because he's 17, uh, had his mother drive him supposedly 15 miles or 15 minutes. I'm not sure on the details of that, but regardless, his, one of his parents, supposedly his mother drove him um, across state lines where he did not live with this weapon that he was legally not allowed to carry. Um, and then he proceeded to murder two protesters and uh, wound another one to the point where he lost his arm. So there's a, kind of a lot of stories going around about the details of the protesters and their criminal histories because apparently in America that's relevant for some reason. Um, clearly this kid did not know these people and had no Idea well, that's what I was going to or... say. I just want people to, when you're, when you're listening to someone talk about these events, what's almost unanimous in listening to people who tend to take the right, and, and also sometimes the left, but, but a lot of times people on the right, um, they assume facts, not in evidence. So we know what happened, you know, at the end. When you're hearing it on the news, okay, there's more data than what was available at the moment the incident was happening. Right. So when people say, well... You know, um, Jacob, what was Blake? Blake, Jacob Blake. Jacob Blake um, was wanted. So somebody put that on Twitter. He was wanted. He had a he had a warrant for the rest. Well, I listened to the original scanner traffic, and when the call went out, now there was there's two channels, and I think the other one might they might have given his name over over that channel, but the original call came in as some people having a dispute, um, and one person wanted to leave, and the other person wouldn't give them their keys. Right. Yes. And so there was no mention of a weapon. There wasn't even a mention of a physical scuffle. Um, and then, you know, from the video that you see where the officers are obviously had just got there, it looks like they just got there. And then he's going to the car. I don't know in their mind, did they know that he was wanted? You know what I'm saying? Like, we have to get a timeline. And there's so much information coming out from so many different sources. And it's all coming out so quickly. But what you have to understand is what was in the person's mind at the moment that they did an, uh, that they did the action that they did because they don't have the they don't have the the benefit of well now in the future we know so they brought this up about George Floyd well you know he had a criminal history he was he went to prison blah 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 but when you're looking at an incident in that case it's ridiculous to bring anything up because he clearly was just straight up murdered. But when they are trying to demonize the victim, they go back and they dig up all these things. And it's like, well, okay, even if you say that matters, the officers didn't have that information. Right. This, is, this is classic, exactly what happened with the Mike Brown case. Because supposedly when Officer Darren Wilson uh, encountered Mike Brown and the person he was with, he didn't even know who he was. He didn't know anything about him having been at a convenience store didn't didn't know any of that. Mm -hmm. So that they tried to use that defense later and I mean it was just it just all fell apart because at the beginning Darren Wilson said he had no idea, did not hear that call, and then later on, you know, he said, "Oh yes, I did." But, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they they always try to demonize the victim and in reality it doesn't matter what that guy's history was. It doesn't matter if he was a shitbag or if he wasn't because people are saying now that he had a history of a domestic abuse. None of that matters doesn't matter at all the point is is that cops don't just get to execute people and what and what is the what is the process what is the policy that's in place and what is the judgment pr process that you're using as an officer to make a judgment of what how what your reaction is going to be so the right, case like, did they not teach these people like like a sweep and kick 
You know what I mean? He could have swept the guy's feet out from under him, put him on the ground. There was three know, of them there. Tackled Tackle. him, something. But like, no, your option was to shoot a guy in the back seven times in front of three children. Right. I mean, what are we you know, well, talking about? Like ricochet rounds could have killed one of those kids or like, we're, I mean, it just kills me. The They just justify it and they want to move on. Well, and also I would like a lot, uh, like people to, when they look at these incidents, to understand that... Um, Police are taught certain things because, you know, they stop a lot of people. A lot of things go down bad when, when they pull somebody over. So they have these protocols that they develop to help to keep them safe. And, you know, we use a lot of those in private security as well. So if you're speaking with an individual and they're walking away from you and they're going towards their car, you don't know if they have a weapon in their car. So one of the things you're told is the worst thing you can do is let them get in their car. When we would go to domestic calls, when I was with, or with a sheriff's department for my internship, we would go to domestic call in house. First thing that officers I worked with would want to do was get everybody out in the front yard. Because you don't know if somebody's got a drawer with a gun in it. They know where the gun is. You don't know where the gun is. So the best thing to do to defuse and, and to figure out what is happening with you have an argument or fight, get everybody out where you can see them so that you can talk and get more information. Right. But when people are running in different directions... It's, it's very chaotic. And as an officer, you do feel like you're trying to, you know, kind of grab onto a tornado. There's people, like different people yelling. You don't know who's the good guy and the bad guy. And when he was going toward the car, I absolutely understand why there was a, a need to stop him getting in the car. My problem is they didn't do that. No, they didn't. They waited till the last possible yeah. second to grab him. And it was like they were just waiting, like... Give me an excuse to shoot you. Okay. Uh, I mean, they, wait, they there was so much time. He walked all the right, way right, around. Right. I mean, why didn't they attempt to stop him at all? Mm -hmm. and now, some time? of the witnesses are saying that the police were yelling, drop the knife. And you can clearly see he has nothing in his hands. So now there's a report that, now there's a report that there, that there was a knife in the car. So... Why see, were they now, saying? Why were they saying drop the knife if I they could like, see um, he had no knife in his hand? It's almost I, like I feel like I'm reading conflicting reports about that because I I just read somewhere that there wasn't any kind of weapon in the car. Well, that's what I mean. We're, we're going to get all this information coming out, and maybe it's accurate, maybe it's not. Right. I mean, so we're going to have to wait. I would urge, urge everybody to you know if you want to make notes. That, okay, this source said there was a, a knife in the car. This source is saying there wasn't a knife in the car. Like, write this stuff down. But let's be clear. Neither Mick or I are justifying um, this guy no, being shot in the not. back at all whatsoever. Absolutely not. But we do believe in waiting for facts to come out. You should um, get facts. These officers rightfully have been placed on leave, and they should be fired. Um, and now then he, when it when time for criminal charges to come up, all of these facts need to be, um, just need to be out there and mm -hmm. factual. And I would also ask people to remember, too, that you know, and like she said, this is not any kind of defense of the police. But having been in the fire service and an EMT and having dealt with police at, in the casino, I know for a fact that a lot of times dispatchers give you horrible, inaccurate information. So you arrive on a scene and you think you're looking for one person and it's a, it's a different person that's been because the caller tells you that person's the aggressor when actually the caller's the aggressor. Just like the woman in the park that, that called on the, the guy that was because she was mad because he asked her to put her a dog on a leash. Dog, yeah. And all of a sudden, he's a violent man in the police's eyes. Why? Because she lied. And then the dispatcher relayed that information to the police inaccurately. So it's not a defense of them. But what I'm saying is we have, as the viewer, to, form an, to, to have an informed decision that is not based on bias or emotion, you have to know, first of all, what happened. And right. I feel like the news... 
rushes out there, tells you so much stuff, and people already have a preconceived feeling about these police incidents. So they listen to the information that backs up what they already feel. Right. And we can't do that. We have to look at every situation. Especially because, you know, just for an example, completely hypothetical situation, say that, you know, a caller calls in and says, you know, there's this extremely violent individual, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, the dispatcher relays that and the cops show up with guns drawn and the guy, you know, may innocently be enough not be doing anything and comes out of his car, you know what I mean? And, And they, you know, open fire on the guy or something. Which again, not that's not justified either. You shouldn't just start pulling the trigger before you even know what's right. going on. Right. But that situation would have to have all the facts and be examined because then we need to know who that person that made the call was because they need to be held responsible. Exactly. And exactly. There, maybe there's other steps we can take that, you know, dispatchers could have logged phone numbers to be like, listen, we've gotten calls from this address before. Right. So proceed with caution. You know what I mean? Maybe we can examine other levels as well as the obvious reform of police that needs to happen. Right. But those things are all, if you want to genuinely solve the problem, you have to have all the facts. Right. So never going to try to justify an officer that just opens fire on somebody because I feel like that should be the absolute last option. Every other country manages to apprehend people just fine. They manage to apprehend freaking school shooters, movie theater shooters, just fine. Mm -hmm. The people who killed Elijah McClain were the same people that arrested the Dark Knight movie theater shooter in Aurora. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have a scratch on him. So clearly they have the capability. So right. I'm never, I'm not defending the police at all, but I am defending that we need to have all the facts. Well, I don't, th- yeah, I don't think it should be about defending the police or about demonizing the victim. I think what it should be about is what happened in this particular situation right. with this particular offer, officer on this particular call, who all was involved, what information did they have at the time not we looked it up and he was a felon so we had a right to shoot him like that that doesn't apply and like just like with the children in a car you know yes of course that's horrifying it's a very emotionally upsetting thing to hear that children watch their father be shot but when i watched the video i don't know about you but i couldn't see the wood back windows look like they were tinted so when this officer was chasing him towards the car had someone told him there are children in the car could he see those children in a car? It wouldn't have made it. I don't think it would have made a difference. He sh- I, Personal opinion. I don't think it okay, would have made a difference. That's possible. But I'm saying I don't agree with the shoot. I think the shooting was totally unjustified. I think it was malfeasance on the police department. But to say, well, he shot them him right in front of his kids. Well, that's kind of you're supposing that he knew the children were in there. Right. But just as a gun owner, not even a police officer, I feel like um, unless I know I have a clear line of shot, that, you mm-hmm. know, a clear line to shoot someone right. that isn't going to harm anyone else, right. I'm not going to take the shot. Right. I mean, you well, literally that- just fired seven shots next to three children. Like right. you, you weren't, you're clearly not aware enough of your surroundings to even be pulling that trigger right now. Right. Well, Jacob Frey, the Minneapolis uh, mayor who had fought with the police department for years and years before the George Floyd incident, trying to kind of rein in their, you know, the things that were going wrong before that happened. Um, One of the reforms that they've put out, (laughs) it's like really crazy, but they some of the things that they changed were that you can't shoot at a moving vehicle like. Right, because it's clearly public area. and, And my first thought was we we have to. We have to, to tell, tell you people that? that. Yeah. Right. So, and that was, if you look up the changes that they've made, they're kind of all that way. Like, why do we, ha- why do we have to have, why do we have to tell them that's now? Like, this should have been a rule before. So there are some things that are starting to change, but I think this still hasn't been addressed that when an officer shows up at a scene, 
sometimes it may not be overt racism. Like, I don't think this guy got up at the beginning of the day and said, I'm going to go out and shoot a black person. But I do feel like a lot of officers have an unconscious bias that makes them more fearful of a black man. Yeah, absolutely. And so the adrenaline is higher. They expect more violence and they react with more violence. So I think that's a serious thing in in this case. and, And okay, back to the kids in the car. So let's say that that officer did know the children were in the car. And he believes this is the domestic call. A lot of times domestic calls end in shoot the girlfriend, kill the kids, kill myself. So if this officer believed that there were children in the car and this was a domestic and he doesn't know if this guy has a gun in the car, he might be getting ready to take that car on a ride with them kids off a cliff. So there's a lot of information not known yet. I still think this was total malfeasance because they should have tackled him before he ever got near the car. There was plenty of time for them to tackle him before he got to the car. That was just a complete fuck up. There's no other way about it. But for people to be saying, well... And I feel like, I mean, again, this is just an opinion after watching the video, but it just seems like the cops can't be bothered to try to de-escalate this or to try to get a hold of him before the situation escalates. Right. They just can't be bothered. Like, why didn't he shoot all the tires out? (laughs) Something. Literally anything else. I get that you were trying to not have him go into the car he wasn't complying they told him to stop and he didn't comply but and why seven times why do you have to shoot someone seven times like literally i'm trying to rationalize any bit of like how the right wing like says this is okay mm-hmm. and, I, and i'm just breaking it down like on literally any level that i can like reason with them like any, anything at all mm-hmm. why seven shots seven seven shots yeah. that was was that necessary was that well, necessary and they're just like they, they just don't care right that's the problem now i've seen this argument used whenever a person is um coming towards an officer and they shoot them and they and they shoot like ridiculous numbers of rounds and it's like the person ends up getting hit by several but they're like why would they keep shooting they hit them once and i'm like well because when they train you they say that you're not shooting you're shooting to neutralize a threat to yourself so if a person's coming towards you and you shoot them you can't go well did that get them did that stop them if they're still coming if you still believe they're coming you're going to keep shooting so did you did you hit him or did you not hit him you've been there you've shot at the range before so you know like sometimes it's hard to tell if you hit your target you can't really tell so as far as why they shoot so many rounds, but when you're up close and personal, you know that that round is going to do a great amount more damage at close range. So I'm with you. I'm like, what in the world other than sheer adrenaline, fear, and he just went berserk. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I he mean, went berserk. If if these officers really are in that much fear for their life, at a a, a guy with their back with his back turned to them, mm-hmm. then maybe they shouldn't fucking be cops. <laughs> Well, I mean... I mean, how do you demand so much respect for putting your life on the line when in reality you don't? Because you just have a license to kill anyone for any reason at this point. Yeah, that's a... Sorry about that. Got important phone calls tonight, Mick. Oh, well, you know, parents, elderly parents, so... <laughs> Boomers. They, they need stuff. My dad wanted to have surgery earlier today, so um, hopefully he's, he's having that now. And that was my mom trying to call me, so... Um, you want to take a break and call her back, or...? Um... Oh, I think we'll, I think she'll be all right. All right. She's got somebody else there with her too, so. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so this whole thing. Um, so first of all, we had to deal with uh, the Jacob Blake incident. Um, people are outraged, rightfully. And, and there is some began. video, while you're on that one, there is some video of the 
17 year old which ha- who has right, been arrested that's, that's where i'm moving charged. on to next right. is the protest started and then um i don't know if it was the first or the second night of protest but the 17 year old uh kyle what is it written written something um shit no i can't remember yeah it's kind I've, of a- i've just been referring to him as that that um cop simp um because he was i mean his social media was like full of photos of him like desperate to be a cop and he's only like 17 years old you know kyle rittenhouse rittenhouse mm-hmm. uh yeah he's the potential mass shooter what do they consider a mass shooting what more is it more than three people i'm not really sure because I, I'm not really sure, honestly, what they would consider a mass shooting. Like, but, I would say three or more people. Anyway, the shooter, um, Rittenhouse, uh, there's a lot of debate on how that started. But from what I understand in the videos I've seen and the accounts of people that were there, he shot someone and then was pursued by some other people in the crowd, one of which who had a uh, handgun who was injured. Um, and ended up losing his arm. And then the other one had a skateboard, and that when he was on the ground was hitting him with a skateboard, and he shot him, and that person died as well. Um, and there's all kinds of, I don't know, the right wing at this point is just dissecting every single victim and trying to justify it as if that kid had well, any idea who they were. Why are they going back, why aren't they going back to say, like, where where did this kid come from? Why was he there? Why was he armed? Why was well, he, like, why aren't they asking all those questions? Apparently they're justifying it, and I say there, but, like, you know, general consensus on social media from fucking right wing assholes, which at this point I'm not convinced aren't just bots, because I'm like, people really can't be this ridiculous. Can no, they? they can. I mean... Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's so hard to believe sometimes um, because they're literally, you know, all making memes and sharing memes of these people who have died and making this get out to be a hero when in reality, like you can't walk up to somebody and point a gun in their face. And then when they pull a gun back on you, shoot them in the face and claim self-defense. Like he wasn't in his own town or even in his own state. He wasn't, you know, carrying that firearm legally. Like there's all these reasons why. This should have never happened to begin with. And he clearly went there looking for a fight. He uh, went to an area where he knew there was, you know, a lot of uh, chaos going on. He went there armed. He went there to be in the middle of it. And I believe he went there to shoot people. I do too. I absolutely 100% believe he was there hunting for people. And it's terrifying at this point. You know, I told Mick today that it's not that I think that all Republicans are, you know, these evil like maniacal people because i do know some people who are conservative that aren't monsters um and we don't agree on things but they're not all the same people who are like cheering on this type of thing right and i think it's you should make distinctions between that because people that are conservative or republican you might not agree with but there's a difference between those people and the types of people who will watch other americans get stuffed into Mm -hmm. unmarked vehicles by who knows who they are because they don't identify themselves and Mm. they're just fine with that because it's people they don't like. Right. Or you see this guy opening fire in a crowd and killing people and you're fine with that because Mm -hmm. it's people you don't like. Right. I mean, those people are dangerous. And we're coming to a point when it's like, okay, it's no longer a, it's it's not about a difference of opinion like you're pro-life and I'm pro-choice. This is about you're fine with this. You're fine with people being murdered and, and taken illegally because you don't like them. Mm-hmm. We can't associate with those people anymore. Ever. I mean, it's not just like, oh, yeah, you're my boomer uncle and I don't like you and we don't agree on this and we're not going to be friends on Facebook. No, like, don't trust that fucking person. 
don't, well, don't trust that person. Speaking of Facebook too, like whoever whoever taught boomers to use Facebook was it was a big mistake. Yeah, because <laughs> they real. are the most easily radicalized people. I've come I know because they fucking believe everything they see. Yeah. Everything it's they the, see. It's the quintessential uh, example of um, affirmation bi- or um, confirmation bias. You know, they, they want to believe Trump's a hero. They want to believe everything good about the Republican Party. They want to believe everything good. So anything bad they hear is fake news. They just easily write it off as fake news. They they bathe in all the flag waving and the, you know, the, the symbolism and all that indoctrination. They, like, love to sit and bathe in that stuff. So it makes them very easy, very, very um, you know, malleable targets for propaganda. Big I know, time. yeah, absolutely. Their brains are just turned like to they, mush. They went from Fox News to Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just, it's even worse there. Like, when when did we go to Florida? Was that like three years ago now? Twenty seventeen. Two years ago. Two years ago. So, I was still on Facebook then. I deleted it in April twenty seventeen, and um, I remember like people had different political views of me and we would occasionally bump into that on Facebook and we would have our little words and people get a little huffy or whatever. But it wasn't like now, now I don't have Facebook, but I can look at other people's Facebook. Right. And, um, it's like shocking. Yeah. It's literally all they think about. It's I've, all yeah, they do. I've it's been, like they live, eat, breathe. I've and been so- politically outspoken on social media since i was in high school so you know going on over 10 years and people would bicker with me about stuff and a lot of times people would say things my peers would say things i'm assuming that they heard someone in their family say that they just immediately picked up and then i would share information with them and they'd be like oh wow what the fuck like that's not what i was told Mm -hmm. and it's like holy shit like i'm actually getting through to somebody and that happened a lot but the older i get um the more the it's the fake news era right you know people just scream fake news and it's they they block it all out and that was the and they're incredibly like violent about it i can't tell you before when i would post things because i don't post things like oh you're a fucking idiot this and that but it's just like this is wrong and you know these are facts and blah 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 blah. that kind of shit gets me death threats now and that never happened to me before Mm -hmm. there weren't people just in my inbox like you know hoping that all this horrible shit that i won't even repeat on here uh would happen to me but it, that, it's like a daily occurrence now. Mm. The people, they just can't help it. Well, I think I've always said this, that, you know, you have your, your, your DNA is designed inside of you to respond to things that threaten your survival. So you have instincts which tell you to react to things that will kill you. And I think psychologically, people form an identity that is like, is like a body. Their, their ideology and their beliefs becomes like another body that they have to protect. And you have instincts for that, too. So when you take a person, say, who's very religious, and their life revolves around religion, and their belief revol- revolves around religion, and you start picking and, att- and like trying to pull apart their religion, they react violently because they feel like if you, it's like a cancer. You're talking to them as like a, eating away well, yeah, like at their, their, their psychology. safety net. Well, it's more than that. I think you're eating away at what they feel is like their ideological body of who they are, and they will die. If they lose their ideology... Who are they without it? And so all of these, you know, people that have been brainwashed by, mostly by Facebook. Fox News can't hold a candle to Facebook. Facebook is way far beyond Fox News. Because it's so, um, the, the, what do I want to say? The, the way the platform is designed to where your peers, the people you work with, the people you trust, the people in your family, 
all peer pressure you on Facebook. Like if a stranger on Twitter says something to me, I'm just like, oh, well, whatever. I don't know that person. So they can criticize. And it it doesn't affect me. It doesn't hurt me. Even if my family bothers me, it doesn't bother me. But I'm saying a lot of people feel like they're so threatened and they lash out. Right. Because well, not that. only that, but I feel like in this day and age, I, I've witnessed it myself in multiple different settings, that families don't have the best relationships for lots and lots of reasons, um, but they kind of find this bonding and shit like that. You mm-hmm. know, like they, they can't sit at a dinner table and have a conversation with each other, but they'll get on Facebook and share like Trump means with each other and they feel like they're bonding. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... This is some kind of like next level fucked up psychological shit. Like you don't, you're not even into politics, are mm-hmm. you? Like you've you've never even listened to a word that man said. It's just it's group thing. This is a group thing. Like mm-hmm. you're you're just desperate to be accepted by whoever put this on you, mm-hmm. and vice versa. I mean, it, it's it's very strange. And I'm not saying everybody who voted for Trump is like that because clearly, I know a lot of people in West Virginia who don't even take an interest in politics or any of this shit. They just don't involve themselves. Mm-hmm. All they know is they're poor and they want to go back to work. And he said he would do that. So mm-hmm. they don't get involved. They just vote for it, which in my opinion is a stupid choice to make. But I don't think they're evil. I just mm-hmm. think they're not interested in they're uninformed and they're tired. Right. You know, but scarily more and more people I know that voted for him are becoming scary. They're I'm like, what the fuck is what happened to you? Like, right. you used it's to be not, somewhat of a normal person. And now like, what, what the fuck right. happened to you? When they, when they say divisiveness, like it used to mean I believe different things than you do. Now divisiveness means you're the enemy who must be annihilated. Right. Yeah. And when I don't know when that that change, at least I have noticed it has definitely been during the Trump presidency. Yeah. Because people I know people that didn't like Obama mm-hmm. and would say shitty things about Obama. But it was never this like you're the enemy thing. It was it was never that. Well, they they demonized Obama and they picked very specific things, you know, like about his race and very various things like that that they fixated on and hated on him immensely. There was an immense amount of hatred for Obama. But like if you or I said, well, we voted for Obama, like they they couldn't transfer that hate to us because we didn't fake his birth certificate. They would more or less just think we were stupid. But they didn't right. have this vile hatred for us. Like we didn't. You know what I mean? Right. We didn't, we didn't, they didn't make that nexus where we sometimes feel like we do that with Trump. Like we hate Trump because we know what he is. And the people that love him, it does make you have a reflex to want to hate those people. And it's very hard when they're spouting a lot of ignorance and hatred towards you and defending Trump to not hate them as like an appendage of Trump. But we have to remember that they're not. And we're going to, the topic we're going to get into today is going to discuss some of the reasons why I think this is happening. And I think it's probably going to shock a lot of people <laughs> because, you know, the the forces that are in control. And it's not just Trump. The syndicate. The syndicate. I always bring up the syndicate. That's an X-Files joke. I don't I don't necessarily know that I believe in a syndicate. Um, maybe. One more thing on the Kenosha shooter. Um, Is that how you say that? Kenosha. K-E-N-O-S-H-A. Kenosha. That Kenosha. definitely sounds like a Wisconsin place. <laughs> It's probably an Indian word, honestly. Oh, really? I would guess. I mean, it sounds like an Indian word. But uh, we don't have cool words like that. Kenosha. That's a cool word. Kenosha. It sounds like something an Indian would say to you. We walk up to him and be like, Kenosha. All right, Right? Nick. You know what I'm saying? You're going to get accused of being like prejudiced or racist or something. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, we have a lot of words like that around here. Wheeling is actually an Indian word. Although it it doesn't really sound. Yeah, it's, it's, I forget what it means, but wheeling is an Indian word. Hmm. So anyway. I didn't know that. Okay, so another thing, the last thing about this shooter kid. Um. It's been reported that he was actually like a uh, in a program for like cadets, like a right. young cadets police program. Yes, I read that. Now there is video of a 
some kind of military type vehicle rolling up on some armed people. I don't know if this person was in that group, but they're saying, we really appreciate what you're doing here. Can we give you some water? You guys need some water? Like, yeah, we need water. And they give them water. Then they go on to this other group and they say, all civilians need to be off the street. Go home. So these people that they were giving water to and thanking them for their help were obviously civilians. So the question is, what is the connection there? And the police are downplaying it, saying we gave water to lots of people. No, that's bullshit. Watch that video. They're clearly thanking them for their help. So what was, what was that group doing there? Were they solicited to be there? Was there an arrangement with the police department that they be there? Why were they not told to get home? Right, yeah. And I'm also wondering that too, because on the video after uh, that shooter kills the first guy, he immediately gets on his cell phone and says, I just killed someone. Mm-hmm. Who was he calling? Because that needs to be known right now. Mm-hmm. Who did he call? Did he call his mom? Did he call one of the cops? Did he call, you know what I mean? Who did he call? Right. That could be, that could be very important. And then he but runs. But no one's talking about that. And no then one's the crowd comes after him and he runs away from the crowd who obviously wants to bludgeon him to death or at least capture him. Maybe I'm, I shouldn't say that that's what they wanted to do. I don't, can't be in their mind. But they just witnessed him murder a couple people. So they're chasing after him. And he runs to the police for safety and they literally let him walk away. Yep. Like, what is the... And and now they're saying, well, we didn't understand. It was a lot of noise. We didn't understand that's what he was... He, he was trying to turn himself in. We didn't understand. I don't understand all that. So that needs more explanation before we can really... But it's just, it's definitely not kosher what's going on there. No, nothing about that entire situation is good. And I'd like to say I have high hopes that because it is so blatantly corrupt that it'll be exposed, but... I don't know. Trump presidency, I said today, kind of half joking, but pretty serious as well that I said, how much you want to bet if Trump gets reelected that he pardons that kid and invites him to the RNC next time? Like, well, <laughs> he had those two people that were come out of their house, guns blazing at the protesters yeah, I, know. I went through. He had them on there. I know. Which we were going to mention this too, because I didn't watch the Democratic National Convention or the Republican National Convention because I watched part of the speeches that were excerpted on like CNN and different places and I literally had no interest because they looked very staged very plastic very robotic and I was just like I don't really want to hear any of this to me it's just you know I know that Bernie like rants and he's like (laughs) depicted as angry old fucking man and he says the same shit every time but you know why because it's coming from a real place in his heart that he fucking means it and he so you could ask him what kind of bird do you think that is Bernie he'd be like income inequality in this country like he will go back to the same, <laughs> just go right back to the same he trend. just has this he's just like a broken record but he stays on point and he means it from his heart and these people just like fish for whatever they pandering. think yeah. yeah it's just it's, it's kind of disgusting and then so the republican national convention obviously i didn't care to watch it either but um one of the funnier things i heard about it which probably everybody has heard now i think people that didn't watch it on tv heard Don Trump Jr.'s girlfriend screaming because some guy was like, I heard her speech and I didn't even watch the <laughs> Oh, I saw the memes, it, yeah. Where she's screaming at that. So yeah. I have no desire to, to ever like look at her and hear her speak. But um, she made the claim that she was a Latina. She was saying she was a proud Latina and that she was a first born from an immigrant. And her mother is from Puerto Rico. Oh my god! So Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, of course, being the these are the same people that are attacking Kamala Harris, saying she's not really black. 
And then I'm like, this bitch. And she's like, my mother's an immigrant. No, Puerto Rico is not a foreign country. You stupid bitch. But, you know, Trump probably didn't even know. I don't think oh, Trump no. knew Puerto Rico was part of our country. Probably not. Somebody came out recently and said that Trump, I forget, it was, it was one of his former, like somebody he hired to work in the White House that was just like, I'm done, I'm out. Oh, my God. Well, that list. That, yeah, there's a huge list. But he was on CNN. I mean, I'll have to look his name up. But he um, said that Trump not only wanted to get Greenland, but he wanted to see if he could work out a trade with Puerto Rico. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know under what premise you're trying to work out that art of that deal. If we are trading states and territories like baseball cards, can we just split this shit up already? And I mean, you're trading human beings like their players cards. So is yeah. that not that's just bizarre if that's if that's true. But that was one of the funny things I heard this week. So um, topic of conversation is I finally, finally finished this book. It has been taking me forever to read. Um, Proof of Conspiracy by Seth Abramson. And there's so much in the book. I'm like saying, please download the audio book and listen to it. This guy, what he does is he's a um, journalistic con conservator or something. Anyways, I can't pronounce the word. Curator or something. But what it means is that he doesn't write... He doesn't research and write journals, entries, whatever, articles. He goes and collects everything that's been written about a subject, and then he writes a book about it. So, and he said that he wrote this book because so many articles were coming out, like rapid speed during the Mueller probe and all this stuff, that something shocking would come out, and it was like within a week something else shocking came out. <laughs> And it was like, people were just like, you even know, on our show, we're like, oh, we got to talk about that. Right. And next thing you know, it's like, there's something else has happened and you just forget about that other thing. Right. Yeah. So he compares <laughs> your little puppy. Yeah, he's squeaking. He's mad. <laughs> no um, one's paying attention to him. So he takes all these articles from Haaretz and, you know, the New York Times and Huffington Post and all these, the, the Beat, Daily Beast. He takes all of these articles that were written and then he also uses the Mueller report and he uses all of these other different, um, you know, sources and he compiles this story that is so unbelievably shocking. Like, you'll feel like there's so many Russians in this book that you'll feel like you speak Russian after you've read it. <laughs> I mean, it's just swimming in Russians. And people are saying, well, you know, so what? So-and-so met with a Russian. Like, you know, don't you think that everybody running for president, everybody's trying to get their ear and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, no, this was literally ridiculous. But the number of contacts between the Trump campaign and the Russians is kind of like an old story at this point, how many Russians there were involved in it. But the the book is about... um. You know, he takes all these sources and combines them together and comes up with this, what he calls the Red Sea Conspiracy, where it wasn't just the Russians that wanted Trump uh, investigate, uh, to be president. Um, it, was, it was also Israel and the UAE, Saudi Arabia. These countries got together and said, we need to get Trump in there. They, all for their own reasons. Obviously, the Russians wanted sanctions lifted. Um, Saudi Arabia and the UAE want the United States to go to war with Iran. So um, everybody kind of has their own reasons. And he takes you through this journey of finding all this stuff. But one of the most shocking things in the book to me were the number of private 
spies, private intelligence agencies that were involved in the 2016 election. Okay, we know about Cambridge Analytica. That was the company that, it was like a British-based company, and they did a lot with the Facebook, you know, influencing, using your likes to predict what you, how you would vote, seeing how you responded to stuff, and then sending things to your Facebook feed that would kind of lean you to the right. They were the reason I deleted Facebook. Um, because I could see what's, what Facebook is today, now in 2020, I could see it was becoming that. And then I figured out why is because it's a massive psyop. It's, it's a psychological manipulation tool of the right wing. Now, whether Mark Zuckerberg was originally on board with that or whether he was told you will be on board with it or whether he wanted to be on, I don't know. But Facebook is now a right wing website. I would say Facebook is more right wing than Reddit. Because I know people that go on Reddit because they want to find out things that other people don't talk about that's only on Reddit. But like Facebook is just destroyed. It's just completely. Anybody who's on Facebook who's not a right winger, their goal is to be- make you become a right winger. That's just it. Um, so one of the people that uh, let's go. Let me just go down here to. And it wasn't only Trump that was involved with these people. Um, ben Carson actually hired a company called Inspiration, and their uh, area of expertise is basically disinformation and um, spreading lies about people, fake news. Shocking. That's what they do. Me- social media influencing. This is the new thing now. If you're on social media, they got your brain, and they have real-time analytical computers that think faster than we could ever hope that all of our brains together couldn't think as fast as these computers. And as soon as you hit like, as soon as you hit share, as soon as you comment, your what you think real time is being analyzed by a computer and it's telling these people what to send you to try to get you over to their perspective. And what's fascinating too is like, what happened to just good old, I am a politician and I'm going to work for you. And give me your vote. <laughs> like, that's what politics used to be. I know politics has always been dirty as far as camping money and that kind of shit. But I'm saying, like, the politician's engagement with the public was, I'm going to promise you things that I'm probably not going to do, but I'm going to promise you things that you want to hear, and then you vote for me. And then throughout my office time in office, you judge me, and if you don't judge me that I've done what you do, is you vote me out, right? But this is not... They're spending so many millions, probably over a billion dollars, I would say, has been spent on uh, basically just brainwashing you. That's what politics has become. It's become brainwashing. It's not even about the politicians doing anything for any of us. And I'm sure the left wing uses this shit, too. I remember briefly there was a... um, Yeah, I just don't know why it seems like the left is so divided right now between the left and uh, Democrats are so divided right now because clearly those tactics don't work as well. For the left. Yeah. I mean, I see so many people that just straight out will say, like, Obama did fucked up shit and we don't like Joe Biden. And, like, you know what I mean? They're almost too critical because at some point it's just like, guys, okay, I get it. But, like... You're helping Trump. You're helping Trump at this point. Like, fuck. Like, and I'm kind of in between there because sometimes I'm just like, no, fuck this. Like, you're either going to work for my vote or you're not getting it. And then the other part of me is like, okay, we really have an option here. Like, 
Right. You know what I mean? So, but I feel like the left is far less susceptible than this shit. I mean, it's just... <sighs> it probably depends on what demographic you're in because I've seen some lefties like agree with other lefties about stuff and I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, and I know. They it's get just ridiculous. peer pressure. They get ridiculous on shit. I mean, just so, just so far fucking removed from reality and they just pat each other on the backs yeah i actually just got banned from my fourth left book page today because apparently i'm not i'm not left enough um but i just don't give a fuck if you're saying something ridiculous i'm gonna tell you you're being fucking ridiculous i don't you've care left, what side you've you're been on. left by the left yeah for real but yeah i don't know because they were they were talking about uh one of the guys that got shot and i'm just like okay for so um it doesn't matter what his past was or who he is. This kid who shot him did not know him, did not know his past, and doesn't have the authority to kill someone. Just just none of that shit. None of this is right. Mm-hmm. This all needs to be investigated. This kid needs to fucking go to jail. But, like, secondly, can the left stop making people heroes who may not deserve to be heroes? Because I understand that if this guy's intentions were to tackle this kid and stop more people from being killed, then that is a heroic act. But there is a lot of shit coming out about this kid that, like, he had domestic battery charges and like all kinds of really fucked up charges against like that were abuse charges against someone that he was with. And it's like I read the the rap sheet of it and I'm like, OK, well, some of this shit just can't be disputed. And it's like I'm not going to sit here and say, good, I'm glad the guy's dead because I think he did a heroic thing and he didn't deserve to die, especially not in that way. But also, I'm not going to make this guy out like he's a hero. Right. I'm, I'm a believer that people are good and bad. And you can't say someone was a good person or a bad person because like. I don't know. You just look at people and it's like, well, what if this guy was a wife beater, but he also cured cancer? Is he a good person or is he a bad person? Right. Like, I mean, life's not black I, and white. I don't believe in doing that. So like, yeah, okay, he did a good thing and he stopped and maybe saved countless lives. But at the same time, how do you think that this makes his victims feel that suddenly none of none of that shit that he did to you matters? He's a hero now. I mean, right. you know what I mean? That's not fair either. Right. So yeah, I get kicked out of a bunch of left book pages for that because I'm just like, no, it's not relevant to bring up right now, but I don't agree with calling this dude a hero. Right. You know and I, I mean? think it just gives more ammunition to the other side because they're like, oh, you know, oh, I've this heard- is your hero? Like- yeah. I mean, they've done that with George Floyd. They've been like, oh yeah, a guy who committed robbery and stuck a gun to a pregnant woman's stomach and blah, 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 blah. That's who the left idolizes. And I just think that if if the- if the liberal media, which I don't even like calling CNN liberal because they're not, they're like mildly, mildly conservative. But when they go overboard with, you know, making someone a hero who is a victim, George Floyd was a victim, but he doesn't have to be a hero. When you make him a hero, then you make, you give the right all this like, oh, well, look, the left, they, you know, they'll, they'll give anybody. It, it's just, it's a stupid argument. Stick to the facts. Right. The he was facts. absolutely 100% a victim and no one should be arguing that. The facts are bad enough. I know two people who are the biggest boomer conservatives you'd ever want to meet. They're my parents. And my mom said that she doesn't even care if George Floyd was on high as a kite on drugs. He was murdered. Okay? Right. I know, which is shocking to me because out of all people for her to say that, right. it's like the, the people that are happy about it or glad they're like a level above that so clearly you can reach even the most you know dare i say racist conservative boomer trump supporter whatever um and and i say racist because my parents i i feel like when i look at their views they're racist but if but if you ask them are you racist they would be like of course not i'm not racist they're one of those people that's in denial about all their biases that they have right 
that they make knee jerk reactions to judgment on people based on race and shit. But like they don't they don't think they do that. Right. They're not overtly and consciously hateful of of people of other races. They're just they have so much bias. They just can't even see it. But um, but even she said that. So obviously, you know, CNN doesn't need to do that. Just stop doing that. Right, because now you're just stirring up feelings and you're hurting the, your own cause. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, the, the, the issue should just be this shouldn't happen, regardless right. of who you are or what you've done. Like, this is America. We don't just shoot people in the street for no reason. Like, it just, right. it's not what we do. And, and, you know, I'm a rubber meets the road person. So when you find out, when you see, when you have an egregious thing happen, as much as you have emotion about it, you have to sit back and go, okay, how did we get... To the how did we get to this point? We got to go back from, you know, letter M, back to letter A, and say, okay, A, this happened. The call went out. You know, we had to take it step by step by step and see where the problems are happening. You know, we can we can help to figure out and solve this problem without having to hate each other potentially. Because at this point, I feel like the reason it's becoming increasingly violent is because we know that the people in power right now. Um, not only will not change it, but support the other side. Right. Um, at least under the riots and things that happened under Obama, he somewhat pandered to trying to find a little bit of a solution, like you were talking about earlier with uh, making it the federal government involved with Ferguson. They had oversight, right. Oversight, they had, yeah. And Portland was one of those places that they, they basically drafted up an agreement and said, you know, do your own studies, and we're going to look at our own studies, and we're going to see what you guys need to change about the way you're doing things. And um, he put them under a mandate to, be, right. to you know, report back to the federal so government. So at least that was something. At least it felt like under the Obama presidency that he was listening somewhat. I feel like there was a hell of a lot more he could have done mm-hmm. for this problem. But at the same time, I, I realized some of the, the issues that he faced on that. Mm-hmm. But part of me just feels like he was uh, saving his political face, you know, and that he could have been more radical and, and got some of these problems done. But at the same time... Maybe it just would have brought this on sooner. But I do think that we have to take note that whatever good those uh, agreements, those oversight agreements were making when they were disbanded, when Trump became president. Right, exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, but like I said, you know, th- that's why. We see the effect of that. I think this is becoming more and more violent, and I don't think it's ever going to become less violent. I think if Trump loses, then we might see a break in it because people might have some renewed hope. But... I think if uh, I, dem- I think the next Democratic presidency that we have, if they don't make some serious changes, it's it's not going to stop. The violence is not. Gonna- people are tired, and it's not it's not just over this one thing either. I mean, pe- you have people before that, like if they were content in their life, you know, sad to say, probably would have just turned the other way. I mean, like, oh, it's a shame that that happened, but I really don't give a shit because it doesn't affect my life. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how the majority of Americans function anymore. Mm-hmm. And you see more and more people joining these causes because they don't have anything fucking left to lose either. Right. Well, they I don't mean, have anything to lose. As far as people not being not caring about things that don't directly affect them, I mean, Americans are tired. We're working our asses off. We're barely able to make get by. And you know, it might sound selfish to, um, you know, to think that way, but I, I think it's just a lot of it's just fatigue, and you're you're bombarded with so much information that. And you feel helpless. Like, what can you really do about it? So you just block it out. Right. Yeah, I think I think that's intentionally done to try to, um, I don't know, what do they say, desensitize people? I think they just show us this shit and this ho- this horrible, horrible shit over and over and over again to desensitize people. So they just they just don't have, they don't, they can't care anymore. They just can't because they just don't have it in them. Um, 
But we're kind of running on time here, so do you want to try to do this topic that you have, or do you want to save it for the next episode? Um, you how far are we in? Uh, 50 minutes. Okay. Um, I think I can get started on it, and then we maybe we can do like another follow-up to it. But Okay. Uh, well, then the take it away, Mick. The basic outline here is that, you know, in the past, we know government has done things that are unscrupulous, horrible, evil, murderous, selfish, greedy. We know we know because a lot of things have come out about the CIA. You know, Duke and I spend more time talking about the CIA, the Dulles brothers and all the evil shit that they've done to us as citizens and to other people in other countries. Um, but the, how do we find out about that? Well, congressional oversight had a lot to do with it. Um, there were hearings that were held in the 70s, the church committee um, that, you know, reviewed the practices of the CIA. That, and, and if you ever get a chance to to look at that, it's it's absolutely stunning, the things that the CIA were doing that the government didn't know about. And, um, you know, we know about the overthrow of other countries and all that stuff. But all that, you know, is is part of, like, what was documented in the Freedom of Information Act. We, we have ways as, as citizens to learn about these things, sometimes not until decades later, uh, but we, we find out about them. The move in politics right now is towards privatization. Because, you know, if our military goes to another country and drops some bombs, like what happened in Cambodia, there was bombs that were being dropped in Cambodia, and it was illegal, and, you know, we ended up finding out about it, but it was our military, right? But what's happening now is all of these elite people in politics and business are com combining together and they're figuring out ways to circumvent any way that we can ever find out about anything. And um, the only way we're finding some of it out is because of civil litigation, because corporations can be sued by other people. So a couple of these corporations that were in this book that were, uh, that were basically spying on people or were spreading misinformation about people, got sued by the people that they were causing damage to. So some of it came out in court papers. I think the vast majority of this information came from George Nader, the pedophile that we talked about in our last episode. That Trump was photographed with? Yes. Yeah. Who was at the center, the heart of Trump's campaign? George Nader was the nexus to the, UA to the UAE, to Saudi Arabia. Um, and, you know, he, he networked all these people together. And I think when he got arrested... You know, probably they told him, you know how much they like pedophiles in American jails, George? Not not very much. And I think he spilled his beans. And, um, you know, because he's one of the few people that when I look at all these things that were found out, that was the only person that was involved in all of them, right? Um, so one of the uh, organizations that was involved in the, the Trump, you know, pre-election thing was called Psy Group. And it's owned by Joel Zamel, who is an Australian and also an Israeli. Um, and he's a he's a the former CEO of his company, Psy Group, was uh, ran Israel's psychological warfare for their uh, for their military. Um, and they their 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 expertise is in social media manipulation, creating fake online identities. And um, they did this to try and sway people to vote for Trump in 2016. So you had Psy Group. Like I said, these are made up, this group is made up of former Israeli intelligence people. So, you know, back in the day, every country had spies. 
every country was trying to spy on the other one to find out what they could find out. But one of the worst things that would happen is if one of your spies became a double agent. Because now that person that's working for you is at the highest level of knowing everything and they're working with the enemy. Very bad stuff happens when that, when that happens. And so these, when these people go private, when they develop, when they retire from their military intelligence careers and they develop corporations like Psy Group, they're totally rogue. They're there to get paid. They don't care if they don't have allegiance to America or to Russia or to UAE. These people are in it for the cash and the power that comes with it. So we have a bunch of private spies now running around working inside of our political campaigns and inspiration who worked for, um, for Ben uh, Carson. Carson. When Ben Carson's, you know, campaign went in a crapper, he basically referenced them over to Trump and said, hey, well, here's a guy I would support if I were you. So they, you know, they went and, and worked with him. And then you have, you know, uh, we talked about um, Eric Prince, whose dream is to privatize the military. He did a lot of uh, work in Iraq with Blackwater and, and had some disastrous things happen. So, you know, he, he basically, uh, you know, renamed the company and then it was like it still wasn't, you know, out from under the cloud of what, what happened. And now he's working in China and, um, you know, there's reports that he's developing a private army for the Chinese government. And also in um, the UAE, that he's developed some kind of private army for them. So I want you just to think for a second about the consequences of somebody like, say, Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos is a fucking bazillionaire, right? So Jeff Bezos decides that mm, he wants his own private army. He's got the money. He's got drones that deliver packages. Maybe he just wants to modify his drones so they have weapons on them. Somebody realizes, like, he, you know, says, writes a bad article about Jeff Bezos and he sends a drone out after him. Now, that might seem laughable and like hyperbole, but it's not. Because one of the things that um, was developed by one of these spy agencies, NSO, which was also uh, based in Israel, was a software called Pegasus. And this software can be put onto your phone through a link in an email through a conversation that is, you know, something that's sent to you on a, in, a, in a chat conversation. And it's uploaded onto your phone, and it basically takes control of your phone. So it can turn on your speaker and listen to you. It can turn on your camera and, and see everything that you're doing. Um, I kind of wonder if the audio that they have of Jamal Khashoggi being cut up by a bone saw, if that wasn't um, recorded by somebody's cell phone that was hacked. So, I mean, we probably will find out some explosive secretive things because these people are hacking one another and then <laughs> releasing it out into the media. But it's a very scary thing to think that, you know, we have this these private spies running around and now people trying to develop private mercenary armies, paid killers. I mean, what's our what's our world going to turn into? And like we as citizens have no capacity to figure out what is going on. Um, you know, just look at how, how much trouble we have trying to find out stuff when we do have FOIA requests. I mean, we still don't know who the Saudis were that were involved in 9-11. You know, that's still being covered up. So 
There was Psy Group, and then there's another company called, and then there's NSO. Um, the the initials for NSO stand for Niv, Shalev, and Omri, who were the names of the company's founders. And like I said, that is also an Israel-based technology firm, uh, the, the one that developed the Pegasus software. And they sold that software to Saudi Arabia. And one of the things that Saudi Arabia has used it for is they, they, they upload it onto the phones of activists who are fighting for women's rights, who are, you know, critical of the Saudi government. So uh, it's also been used in India um, for people there who are protesting for certain groups of people. So now when you see what's going on in our country with the civil unrest that's going on in our country, and you see people with Black Lives Matter trying to get out there, people that are being very vocal, very in the front, I'm sure Trump has access to the software because he's cozy with the Israelis and the Saudis. So, you know, either one of them could have gave it to the United States. Now, according to NSO, the software is only to be used for official government reasons. We know. What how. a joke. Yeah. Yeah. We, we know how that. Because we trust y'all so much. Right. So it's safe to say that, um, you know, activists in this country are being watched, are being followed, their phones are being tapped. Um, and, it, and this is not like something that we don't all suspect is happening. But what I'm saying is that it's on an extremely large scale. And of course, they can't watch us all. They can't lock us all up. But they're going after and targeting people like Khashoggi. And, and it's suspected that, you know, his phone was being, uh, you know, bugged for some time before he was lured to the embassy where he was murdered. So it, it's really, I feel like it's something that has gotten out ahead of us because we knew about Blackwater, but, and we knew about Eric Prince, but it's kind of like you hear about it and then you're just like, well, I'm glad that's over. <laughs> I'm glad Blackwater was found out and now they're not in there. I mean, but it just, it, it never stops. You know, they, they just keep trying to find new ways to infiltrate, to get information on us. And it's just like they're waging war against, against us, average people. So um, there was also a group called Black Cube that was involved um, in the election business. And I think they were Black Cube and... Um, Black Cube and Psy Group actually teamed up against a Canadian company called West Face, and it's some kind of a trading company, and they started putting out fake transcripts of meeting and fake audio of alleged things that happened at this company, and the company's currently suing them. So that was one thing that, um, you know, got brought out, like I said, through civil lit litigation. And then, of course, you know about the GRU, who's the actual official Russian intelligence agency that tried to hack into computers here and get information and conducted, um, you know, fake, fake, created tons of fake accounts and, like, got people to, you know, riled up about certain issues. So, um, yeah, if you can get this book, it not only goes through all these, you know, spy agencies, but it's pretty much every article that ever came out. <laughs> like, this guy is so extensive. And I just feel like take some notes while you're in it because, um, you know, these people that pop up, it isn't their first rodeo. They've been around for a while. Um, and, and I find it interesting, too, that, you know, uh, Jared Kushner, 
and MBS are like best buds. Chummy, chummy. And they converse through WhatsApp. And according to this um, book, WhatsApp, if you send somebody a message in WhatsApp, that's one of the ways that this Pegasus software can be uploaded into your phone. So now I'm wondering, did MBS send Jared the first message where it uploaded to his phone or vice versa? Kind of makes you wonder. But, and they thought that was a secure connection. They thought that nobody could get their text messages because Mueller got a bunch of like actual messages that they where that should that showed that they were covering up and lying about stuff. So nothing is nothing is actually secure. And the fact that they would think that it was is kind of I don't know. I think they just always have that safety net knowing that nothing will happen to them. Especially because the average person that votes for Trump, if he tried to explain this, like you tell them literal facts, you could be like two plus two equals four. And they're like, fake news. If you try to tell them this shit, I mean, there's no way they'll believe it. There's just no way. Yeah. I think the only way that you're ever going to convert those types of people is to make some action packed movie with one of their like favorite people in it. (laughs) And then like give them that view when they really support it. Then at the end, just be like, yeah, this is what happened with Trump. Yeah. Well, it's funny because right before like we... you have to make them believe they, can came, they came to the conclusion that it was fucked up on their own. Right. So that they actually believe it. Well, when people want to say, oh, Russia hoax, Russia hoax, Russia hoax. I mean, it's amazing to me that Mueller did this investigation. And if you listen to the, the Mueller report on audio, I think it's like 25 hours. It's a ridiculous long amount of time. And your head spinning with all the connections that he was able to dig up and document and who was meeting with who and who lied about the meetings when he interviewed him and what those meetings were really about and who was connected to who. And I mean, if you read that report, I mean, it's like a punch in the fucking face. And then, you know, Bill Barr comes out and goes, nothing to see here, folks. And everybody's just like, see, there was no collusion. And I'm like, but did you read the report is what I'm saying. They fucking didn't read that shit. I mean, you want to ask them, do you know who Oleg Dar- Darabhaska is? Do you know who that is? Do you know who Dmitry Robolovyev is? Hmm, you don't? Oh, okay. Do you know who Joseph Misud is? Do you know who Dmitry Symes is? Do you know who Konstantin Kiliak is? If you don't know who these people are, then you can't tell me there was no Russian collusion just because Bill Barr said there wasn't. Like, go look, to listen to this shit. So when everybody wondered what... It's cult-like at this point, it really is. When everybody wondered what Lindsey Graham, remember they kept saying, like, what does Russia have on Lindsey Graham? Because he's like, a, he's just being a total butt kisser on this whole Russia thing. So, Len Blavotnik gave a huge amount of money to Lindsey Graham's campaign. Because he's a Russian oligarch, but he also has U.S. and U.K. citizenship. So, there's where that connection ended. And then... um there was another Russian oligarch who was a, a who who was like the highest, the biggest, run the biggest aluminum plant or something, and he was promising Mitch McConnell that he was going to put an aluminum plant in Kentucky to give jobs to people in Kentucky. So that's a conflict of interest. Like there was just so many, so many ridiculous things that shouldn't have been going on. So, yeah, if you can get this book, I highly recommend it. And um, But like I said, keep that in mind. You know, look up these agencies and, you know, try to let people know that places like Facebook and probably even Twitter, um, 
YouTube, the way your searches are, are uh, found on YouTube. Uh, so the guy that runs, the guy that is, is that owns Sci, Sci Group, his name is Joel Zamel. And I tried to look up some information. It was like, he's got a wiki, uh, Wikipedia page. But um, if you look on like YouTube and stuff, it's not real easy to find stuff on him. Which I guess if he's like an internet guru, he'd, he'd know how to get stuff suppressed but uh yeah that's where we're at that's one reason why i was so like i hate michael bloomberg anyway for his politics because he's he's just, he's as far right wing as, as i think you can get but he has massive amounts of money and he his first thing he did was start hiring yep. people to he troll. didn't even try he didn't even try to hide that he was just like dumping money into manipulating the media it was just embarrassing. And I mean, if he was doing I mean, that. He runs his own media company, first of all. Right. And if you know, you know, if Bloomberg was doing that, that he also hired these organizations. Right. Absolutely. You know, he did. No fucking doubt. So just watch your back, guys, and know that, um, you know, back in the day when I used to, for my camera, my, my phone first got a camera and I wouldn't take it anywhere, <laughs> like in the bathroom or anywhere. <laughs> it was like. All right, are you really that paranoid that someone can see in the camera of your phone? Yes. Yes, I am. Not that they would have any use to, but I'm just saying, like... Not yet. Do you just know that that... Like, people used to come to the hotel, and you know that the, um, like, fire, uh, fire or smoke detector has the little red light, right? Yeah. People would... Some people would think that that was a fucking camera. I was skeptical when I just stayed in an Airbnb over the weekend because there was two of them. And I was like, what's the second one? <laughs> the guy was like super fucking like anal about do not smoke in the house, no vaping. No, and I was like, hey, fuck, like, all right, I'm not gonna do that. But like, there was two of them. And I was like, that's a fucking camera. Yeah, like, one's a, one's an actual smoke detector, and then the, and the other, other one's, one's a camera. The other one's a camera, and that's yeah. how he knows if people smoke. Yeah, like here. a guy set off one of the ones at the casino one time because he hung his he hung his pants over it because he was gonna him and his woman was gonna you know in the bathroom no no in the in the room oh, where the, the beds are okay. in the hotel room he he yeah they were gonna they were gonna but that happened a lot too people in the bathrooms public bathrooms yeah that happened too but whack but he hung his pants over it and he admitted it was because he he saw the light and he thought it was a camera and it's like no it's not a camera but thanks for being honest so but but we are being spied on um yeah so and especially if you're in any organization where you're highly vocal about something, you know, pretty oh, much. Oh, yeah, dude, we're fucked. I already decided as paranoid as it is, you know, our podcast isn't even like famous or anything, but I'm like, I'm so fucking loud. And like when people started to be like, oh, yeah, you're that girl who's always like harassing people in the local news comments. And like ev everyone started to recognize me as that person who's like, yeah, super fucking loud. Yeah. My former like, boss was like, oh, your daughter's always on there. Yeah. Everyone knows me for that. And I'm just like, I'm on a list. There's no fucking doubt. I am going down. So. I'm not, oh, and you one know of the. Th I need a kill switch. That's what I need. But I don't have any nope. sensitive documents. Speaking of that, <laughs> one other thing that Pegasus can be used for is. You can, they can upload something to your phone and then another spy can walk by and you can be a literal dead drop oh. for information. So there could be stuff stored on your phone that you have no fucking idea it's there. You can't find it. You can't, it's completely invisible to you, but they're using your phone as a dead drop to trade information. Which is probably just like a hundred percent, um, the information that you needed to know to know that everyone in politics is actually working together because they clearly all have access to this shit. And it's like, 
how easy would it be to pin something on someone and just completely ruin them? But they don't do that to each other. No. No, they don't. At least they haven't yet. But I think that it's going to come to that. Yeah, shit's getting heated. It's not going to be this... Uh, we were lucky under the eight years of Obama that shit stayed pretty, you know, just bickering. Didn't get to this point. But yeah, we're at a fucking boiling point. And uh, this is what I'm, I'm always told the left, man. Y'all are so anti-gun, but that's a fucking mistake. Yeah, well, Kamala's going to fix all that because she's going to take everybody's guns. That's yeah. all I've been hearing about all week. Mm. She's going to take everybody's guns. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, if, I wonder if she's if ever... Obama didn't been, do that in eight years. Like, Jesus Christ. I wonder if she's ever been to West Virginia because... No, yeah, ain't nobody taking your guns. But anyway, that's all the time we have today. And hopefully it won't be so long until we record again. I started school again, so my schedule's been pretty shitty. But um, that's all I have for you. So, Mick, is that... That's, that's it. All right, well, this is Juke signing off. And this is Mick signing off.